How's everybody doing today? Uh, we had a great day yesterday where we uh, packaged, about 80 of us packaged about 20,000 meals that are going to go to the refugees from Ukraine. They'll go over, yeah, it's awesome. They're going to go over to Poland and Romania and help people that are in need over there. And uh, it was great. And true access style, our goal was 15,000. We got almost 20,000, right? And uh, let's overachieve a little bit. We also learned, though, that, uh, that we had the ability yesterday, uh, we found out that El Salvador, in El Salvador, is a trailer full of 280,000 uh, meals that were there at the border held for over a year now. And uh, Lifeline was finally able to have the ability to get them into the country, but it was going to require uh, more money to get them into the country. And so we were able to raise not only enough to send 20,000 meals to Ukraine, but also enough to send and open 280,000 meals into El Salvador. So that was fantastic. So we're a part of sending 300,000 meals uh, to people in need. And so that is, that's great. Uh, Sandy Geibel prepared, uh, because there's little leftovers, you know, in the bucket. She put them all together, and she was like, hey, might want to taste what they are tasting. So she has some of that over there, if anybody wants to taste it. Don't share spoons, all right? Don't double dip, all right? Amen? And you know, we're in those kind of days today. All right, let's, let's pray. God, we give you thanks for uh, loving us, and we give you thanks for just allowing us to be here together today. Now teach us from your word. Open uh, to us your uh, words, what you want us to know. Give us open minds. Give us a ready heart to receive it today, God. Thank you, Lord, for our church family. Thank you for the desire to care for people in other parts of the world that desperately need a meal. And also, not only that, they need the, the, the love uh, and care of God and I pray that they see that and feel it and receive it uh, through the ministry of Lifeline and through uh, others. And we pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. We're in week four of our series called Weapons of Our Warfare, and we are helping you get equipped uh, in this thing called spiritual warfare. And I love how God works because he really gave us this message series at what seems to be just the right time. I've heard from several of you who have said, this is just the right minute for us in time for this series because I feel like I'm under attack today. I feel like in some way that I'm being discouraged uh, by the enemy or our values are under attack or our finances are under attack or our family is under attack in some way. And so I really need this series at this time in my life so that I know how do I uh, fight in the way that God wants me to fight? How do I prepare myself for this spiritual battle in a way that God wants me to prepare myself for this spiritual battle? And in Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul writes to all of us, but he writes first to the Christians in a town called Ephesus about equipping them in the middle of their culture. Remember, Paul is imprisoned at this time because of his faith, and he was a threat to the Romans, and they had imprisoned him because of that. And here he is in jail, and there nearby is a Roman soldier, and Paul's mind starts to go, you know what? That soldier is equipped. That soldier is ready for battle. That soldier is ready to fight. But he said, you know what? 
we as believers in Jesus, we need to be ready to fight. We need to be prepared, and we need an armament, and we need to be ready. And so then he uses that Roman soldier, and he makes an analogy to us as believers in Jesus. And some of you may be uncomfortable with the terminology of a battle or spiritual warfare, but those are biblical terms. Some of you may think, Oh, no, I thought when I became a Christian, everything's going to be easy. I'm not going to have any more battles. The longtime preacher Dwight L. Moody one time said, when I was converted, I made this mistake. I thought the battle was already mine, the victory already won, the crown already in my grasp. I thought the old things had passed away, that all things had become new, and that my old corrupt nature, the old life was gone. But I found out After serving Christ only a few months, that conversion was only like enlisting in the army. There was a battle at hand. Ephesians chapter 6, Paul writes, Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm. And he's saying, in the middle of kind of a cultural attack, in the middle of a spiritual attack, in the middle of the battles that you're facing physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, in the middle of all of that, stand firm. And he says, stand firm with the buckle of truth, the belt of truth buckled around your waist. And we talked about that two weeks ago. That that the The truth today seems to be relative. It seems to be whatever you feel in the moment. It seems to be situational. But there is a truth. And the Bible tells us not only about that truth, it tells us who the author of truth is. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. I embody truth. I am truth. So if you want to know truth, you look to Christ, look to his word, and Buckle that belt around your waist because in this culture, that belt provides stability. And then we talked about last week, Josh did a great job talking about the breastplate of righteousness, putting on that breastplate. And and with that, you are really, you're preserving vitality. All of those vital organs are being taken care of because of the breastplate of righteousness. And he said, listen, if you're in Christ, you don't have to make some other version of righteousness. You don't need some ratty, handmade version of a human righteousness, you get Christ's righteousness. He's like, here is the breastplate, the armament that I have for you. You can protect those vital organs, but you'll do it because you're going to adopt my righteousness. The Bible said there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, you can now embody, take on my righteousness. And today, he says this, and now you have your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. How many of you would admit today that you're a shoeaholic? Raise your hand if you're a shoeaholic. Nobody. No sneakerheads in here? You got one or two? All right. Are you at least a sensible shoe person? Sensible shoes? Come on. Do you guys even wear shoes? Where are we today? I don't know. What's going on? Well, here's some different types of shoes. You can see, just yell out what the purpose of each of these shoes are, and let's check this out. Basketball, Air Jordans, probably, I don't know, what are those worth, four or five hundred bucks? I'm not sure. Next. Tap shoes, next. A little harder, but you see the blue spikes in the front. Golf shoes. Come on, CrossFitters. It's CrossFit shoes. They're Nanos. 
Next. This, I, I will never understand this, ever, as far as long as I live. My mom has been having trouble uh, walking recently. This is true. Her lower back has really had a lot of problem. And for the last two or three months, she's really struggling. She's now walking with a cane. She doesn't like it at all. She smacks that cane like, this is so frustrating. But in the midst of using that cane, she goes to church. And you know what she wears? High heels. I'm like, why do you do that? You know, I, don't, I wouldn't even ever want to do this. So ladies, by the way, congratulations. I have no idea how you make that happen, but you get away with it. Next. Boots, cowboy boots. So anybody, you say line dancing over here somewhere? Line dancing. Is that what they're for? Next. And now we have the Roman soldiers' sandals or uh, the, the, web, the, 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 the shoes that he would wear uh, as he prepares for battle. In, with Roman soldiers during Paul's time, these shoes were called caligae. They were heavy military sandals, half boot, half sandal. And these sandals were the sign of a of a soldier that was equipped and ready to move. The openness of the sandal enabled the soldier to wear them all day. They could march or work, or they could stand in them for hours and still be comfortable. And then attached to the bottom are these thick hobnails that are sharp studs. Not only would they protect the soldier's feet over rough ground, they enabled them to use them in battle to stomp on fallen enemies. Now, as you can imagine, a soldier's shoes formed a firm foundation for the soldier and for all of the weaponry, really. Soldiers needed firm footing in order to concentrate on the battle ahead of them. The belt provided stability. The breastplate preserved vitality. The shoes ready for the gospel permitted mobility. So with the shoes, you were able to march forward uh, for uh, the cause. And, and again, I brought a picture of a Roman centurion, and Paul is there across from him, and he looks at this soldier, and he says, that soldier is ready to move. And just as he is ready to move, we as Christians need to be ready to advance the gospel of peace. And guys, we all need peace today, don't we? And I'm not talking about world peace, and I'm not talking about uh, how to, uh, to have peace with even someone else. I'm talking about an internal peace. We as Christians, we need that internal peace, don't we? We need that peace that passes understanding. We need that peace that is there in the middle of the battles that we face. It is an internal peace that's a peace with God himself, and it's a peace with yourself. And Paul looks at the Roman soldier and thinks, those sandals are a firm foundation for, those sandal, for that soldier. Those sandals keep him grounded. And today, what I want to do is just talk to you about those sandals and what it means to, to advance the gospel. What purpose do those sandals serve in our relationship with Christ? And the first one is that they offer us stability to remain faithful. They give us that footing that allows us to stay faithful. It allows us to stay in the fight. For the Roman soldier, the sandals would help them stand their ground. If the foundation is stable, the whole body is stable. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 tells us about the kind of stability that God offers us. It says, we have been justified through faith 
and we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's through Christ that we have peace with God. That's the internal peace I'm talking about. Philippians 4 verse 7 says, The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you want peace, an internal peace, an eternal peace, you can have it. And this is not the kind of peace that, uh, that you get from something outside of you. This is the kind of peace that you get from God himself. The kind of peace that says, no matter what happens in life, I can face it because I know that God loves me. I know that Jesus Christ gave his life for my sins. I know that God has a purpose for my life. And I know that no matter what happens in life, I have God's spirit walking with me day to day. And Ephesians 6 says that you need to be fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. The readiness. That that Roman soldier had to be ready at all times. That Roman soldier had to be prepared at all times. Notice the first three items of armament that we've talked about are all items that a Roman soldier would keep with him at all times. There are things that he would keep on his person. He, He would keep the belt around his waist. Why? Because without that, the rest of the armament doesn't matter. It's in, uh, it's in real trouble. Your, your breastplate needs to be in, in place because no matter if an enemy comes by surprise attack, you want to protect those vital organs. And, and their feet need to always be ready to move. The last items that we're going to talk about in the next few weeks are all things that perhaps that soldier might set down for a moment. Maybe he would set down that sword for a moment or take his helmet off as he rests, but he would always have these three items so that he would be ready at all times to go to battle and to go to war. And Ephesians 6 says, you have to be ready for the battle. And what I've learned is that you have to be ready before the battle ever happens. That before the battle happens in your life, you have to have a firm footing. You have to have a firm foundation already. This week, and I think I'm able to say this now given because it's already out there, but uh, Julia's husband, my brother, uh, this week they were in Aruba, Jonathan and Julia, and they were there because Jonathan represents a, a company and he was going to be speaking, and, but he's dealt with some GI issues and, and some pain, and so uh, they, uh, the pain got to a point where he said, we've got to go home. And so instead of waiting until Friday this week, they came back on Tuesday, went straight to UC, and they had discovered a a mass in his small intestine leading to his large intestine. And immediately, we knew what was going to happen, that they were going to say, well, you have the opportunity to have surgery, or you could wait a couple weeks after the kids graduate. And I said, no, let's do it now. Let's go ahead and take care of it right now. And so just a couple days ago, he uh, had that uh, that mass removed and portion of his colon removed. And it's going to be a recovery because it was an open incision. So it'll be a couple of months of full recovery. Um, and, uh, and they, you know, he, he said, I said, what help do you need? He said, I said, what about on the farm? He goes, oh, psh. he goes, I got to plant those tomatoes. I got to plant those tomatoes. And uh, so there's a lot going on there, but they did the surgery. Everything was successful. They'll, they'll review other test results next week and things like that. But Here's the reason I tell you all of that. Because when they come back from Aruba to the UC Medical Center, they're just so they're just so peaceful. They're so good. They handle the news with such grace. And Jonathan just very re- resolutely and decisively, as I knew he would as soon as he woke up from his other test, and they said, we could take it out or you could wait, he says. 
Let's take it out. And Julia says, I just want that thing out of there. And then they're doing, they're taking care of things. And they're taking care of things back home. And Julia is working hard on taking care of other things back home as well. And they're handling it all with such grace. And you ask me, say, well, how does that happen? Because you've seen people and I have seen people in the midst of controversy and in the midst of struggle. And what do people normally often do? We're going to freak out. We're going to stress out. We're going to be so mad about things. Everybody's at fault. We can't believe how this is all going on. What's the problem? And how are we going to do it? And everybody gets all tense. And what I've learned is that those people who really put their trust and faith in God say, God, whatever happens, the peace that passes understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. So God, just help us through this. Give us your strength, God. And, And here's what I've learned is, You have to put those sandals on prior to the battle. You can't rush all of a sudden in the battle and say, suddenly I need to find a foundation. Suddenly I need to find peace. It's before you enter the battle. We're all going to have trouble. The Bible says every single one of us are going to face moments like that. Every single one of us are going to face moments where it seems like the world around us collapses, chaos ensues, and there's a whole group of people out there today that just want to make everything so chaotic around us. And I just think that when you have the peace of past understanding, it just makes all the difference in the world. What is that peace? Do you have it? The Bible says that you can have that peace because you have a God who loves you so much that he sent his only son into the world to give his very life for you so that if you believe in him, you won't perish, but you have everlasting life. What he's saying is that there's a God of the universe that has such grace for you that he says, I will take on your sin. I know you're not perfect, but I'm gonna give you my righteousness. I'm gonna take on your sin. I'm gonna pay for it on the cross. And now, as you walk through your day-to-day, as you face trouble, you will know that your sins are forgiven, that your grant in heaven when you die, and that no matter what, that the peace of God will walk with you, that his spirit will give you help every single day of your life. That is what is called the gospel. And so when he says, your feet need to be ready with the gospel of peace, that means that you have now a relationship with the God of the universe. And the Bible says now you can have peace with God. Romans 5 said, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, which means that now you're able to say, no matter what happens, God, in my life. You're going to give me the stability and the firm foundation that I need so that I can stand in the middle of the trial. Jesus one time said that those who stand on the rock, their foundation is stable and secure. And no matter what happens, they're able to stand firm. But then he said, if your feet are on the sand, the sand will wash away in the storm and you will no longer be on sure footing. And he said, what's the difference? The difference is those who follow his commands. Those who love the Lord and say, God, you are truth. I want to follow your commands. And because of that, I'm going to know you. I'm going to know who you are. And I'm going to have a peace in my life. And my question for you is, how about you? When the unexpected battles of life come your way, whether it is through poor health, loss of job, an attack that takes the life of a loved one, an economic downturn that cuts your net worth in half, will you have already slipped on the shoes of peace so that you are ready for those moments when they happen? So it offers stability in the midst of a storm. The other thing it does is it gives you mobility to go and proclaim the gospel of peace. In a battle, you need boots that will help you stay balanced, confident, 
and able to move forward quickly. The soldier puts on his strong army boots and they ensure a good grip. Uh, those sandals are there for you so that you can advance. So you don't have to worry about how your feet feel. You can advance and go forward. The military successes of Alexander the Great and Julius Caesar were, were very well known, and they were due in large part to their armies being well shod and thus able to undertake long marches at incredible speed over rough terrain. The Romans had devised their own special shoe for their soldiers that in the Greek means Air Caesars. Air Caesars. It's in there. It's right there. Air Caesars provided for them. But as we, as followers of Jesus, we, we are on the move. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. So we are to be advancing the gospel of peace. Is it fair that you have the gospel of peace and now you don't give the gospel of peace? So somebody gave that gospel to you. Now you are to advance the gospel. You're to be going and advancing it. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 15 in the Living Bible paraphrase says, Wear shoes that are able to speed you as you preach the good news of the peace of God. Shoes that speed you. Now if you have that good news, you have to share that good news. I uh, know a revival preacher that one time, uh, his name was uh, George Stansberry, long time Christian church revival preacher, and he got one of those calls that we preachers get sometimes, and uh, the lady on the other side of the phone said, preacher, I need you to, to come to a funeral for my, and in this case, it was a woman, and she was calling for her husband, and he had been injured in a construction accident, and George said, I'm so sorry, I would be glad to do that for you. Tell me about your late husband, and she said, oh, no, he's not dead, and George said, I'm sorry, I must have misunderstood. I thought you wanted me to do his funeral. She said, I do want you to do his funeral for his feet. His feet were cut off in a construction accident, and I want you to do a funeral for his feet. Okay? So George showed up at the graveside. The only person there was him and this woman. The poor man didn't even show up to give condolences for his own feet. And George thought and thought, he was like, what am I going to preach on? And why would this lady want me to do a funeral for his feet? But finally, he's like, the scripture came to him from Romans. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. He thought that was a pretty good text. When I told this story to Jonathan yesterday in the hospital, because I knew he wasn't going to be here, he said what the guy should have said was, God help us to not be defeated. Yeah. <laughs> Even sedated, he still got it. You know what I mean? Like, what is happening here? But listen, today, as we go, we really go with the feet ready to share the gospel. And as George Stansbury said, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. The idea is that we would be advancing, that we would be moving forward. Listen, today, everywhere we turn, there is chaos. People need hope and people desperately need peace. And we have the ultimate answer. Because the Bible says that we know the very author of peace, we know the prince of peace. And so we offer that to other people, and we say, hey, we want to tell you about who he is. The last thing that I think that we, that we do is that we have adaptability to the needs of others for the sake of Christ. That, 
when a Roman soldier is on the march, that they have to be flexible and adaptable. They have to be able to adapt to any situation at a moment's notice. And, and sandals not only provide stability and they not only offer mobility, in a realistic way, they call for adaptability. And clearly, we don't mean in that, I'm not saying that we adapt the message. There are those who are doing that today. And, and we believe in the Bible. We believe the Bible is God's word, that it's inspired by God. We believe that Jesus Christ is God's son and savior of the world. We believe that the God of the universe created us. And we believe that the church is the body and bride of Christ. And so we as a church, we teach people the word of God unapologetically. People often tell me we love how much scripture you guys use when you teach because it's not our opinion that matters. It's what God's word says that matters. And so we just teach you God's word. Just teach you God's word. That's what they do in the kids department. That's what they're doing with our students, with Andrew as he leads. We're just teaching people the word of God so that they are equipped no matter what happens in their life. So I'm not talking about changing the message. What I am saying is that every situation with different people, I have to, I've learned I have to take a different approach. Sometimes people are very scientific, and they're saying, you know what, I don't even know if there's a God, and so we have to start there, wherever they are, whatever that is, and as we have conversation, I find out where they are, and we start talking about it. Somebody else, they had a bad experience in church. They have faith in God, they just had a really bad experience in church, and so we have to start there, and I have to say, you know what, just as Gandhi said one time, if it wasn't, if, you know, that if it wasn't for God's people, he'd believe in Jesus, you know, and sometimes people are rough around the edges, and, and, and we have to kind of like walk around that and say, but God cares for you, loves you, and then some other people, they're in a place where maybe they've been hurt by the tragedies of life, and so they're ready, they're just in pain, and so it depends on the situation. You have to figure out, how can I adapt? As I advance the gospel of peace, how can I adapt to this situation and share it with people? We need to be ready. We need to be ready. Uh, this, uh, this week, uh, Jonathan doesn't like all the fuss, all right? So that's why he didn't tell many people, but it's out there. So um, and he, when he, this week, he was like, I'm getting text messages from a lot of people, and Julie and I were there in the hospital. He said, I don't know how people know about this. And I looked at Julia, and she looked at me, and I was like, well, I don't know. Could be me. Could be her. I'm not sure. Could be both of us. Could be others. I'm not sure. But anyway, I had told Muhammad, <laughs> our building owner here, and he and uh, Muhammad have a good relationship, and uh, Jonathan speaks Farsi, Persian Farsi, and Muhammad's from Iran, and, and so they have this good bond with each other, and and I told Muhammad, I said, well, he's about to have surgery and so on and so forth. He said, and, and as we're talking about it, by the way, he sent a beautiful flower arrangement to Jonathan. I know this because mom and I were walking out of the hospital. And as we walked out, a guy came in, a florist, and said, for room 518, Jonathan Sams. I was like, oh, that's good. I just walked over there and took a look at the tag. Oh, that's for my brother. And that's great. It's for Muhammad. Beautiful arrangement. And, uh, but as we were talking about it, I just told him about Jonathan and what's happening and I said, would you pray for him, Muhammad? Yeah, sure. And, uh, and I said, you know, Jonathan and Julie are able to handle this because they just really have you know, a deep faith in God. But no matter what happens, that God is in control. Now, what am I doing there? I'm, I'm, I'm helping, I hope. I'm building a bridge, I hope, in a way that tells somebody, hey, this is what's going on in their life, and this is the difference that God is making. You see, my job is to help equip you as well so that no matter what situation you're in, you're thinking in terms of how, 
how do I give a little bit of praise to God in the middle of this situation? How do I give credit to the Lord Jesus? How do I focus this conversation on something that would be godly, that would build a bridge to that person so that maybe one day they'll say, I'm in the middle of a crisis and I need the peace that passes understanding too. We need to constantly think about how can I meet this person where they are? How can I meet their needs in this moment? Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. A few years ago when Josh and I were doing some research for our book, Elementary Discipleship, which is still available on Amazon, by the way. Um, but anyway, so uh, when, we, when we wrote that book together, we came across a, uh, a, a scale. It was called an Engel scale. And this was helpful in our thinking a little bit as we think about how do you approach people at different levels of faith? And this guy used this scale to say, well, maybe at zero point, that would be the point of salvation. That would be where somebody comes to faith in Christ. And and, and, and so he said, you know, when you look at somebody on this scale, you say, well, I wonder where they are. And what I tend to do, or what we often tend to do is say, this person might be at negative five right now. They're kind of a little far away from God. They're not really that close. And, and we just want to jump right over and say, let's jump a few steps. Let me help you get right to that point of decision. And so, so many times in the church, what we do too is once they get to that point of salvation, we just say, hey, thanks a lot and good luck. Go serve in the nursery or whatever, you know. And, and so what are we going to do with you? And, and yet now we say, well, how do we help you go from, I don't know, the point of like I accepted Christ to how do I grow in Christ? Or maybe you're pretty far from Christ. How do I help you go? And here's the question we learn to ask, and that is what's next? So with the person, with everybody you encounter, you should be praying, God, what's next? Not what do I think is next? But what is next for that person? Maybe they're here and they just want to go to the next step. Well, how do I help them get to the next step? And then the next step, and here's the other thing that happens. We realize that maybe I'll help somebody get to a negative one, but somebody else comes in and helps that person get to a zero or a positive one. It doesn't, it's not all up to me. Matt Chandler once, uh, one time said that, uh, that a person's response is not our responsibility. A person's response is not our responsibility. That's God's responsibility. Now, in our book, we actually put terminology on this because sometimes people might want to think, you know, like even today, you might be like, well, I kind of don't like that because I don't kind of feel like a negative too. And so we put terminology on it and th words like curiosity stage or maybe you're at the awareness stage. And we tried to define a little bit those things so that you would know, hey, this person, maybe they're just curious. So how do I help them become more curious? Or how do I help them move from curiosity to awareness about God, and then ultimately a decision point about God? And then how do I help them grow from there? Here's my point. If you simply ask the question, what's next, it will help you to adapt to every situation and say, in this situation today, how do I help this person move to the next step? And by the way, you should be asking that same question for yourself. What's next for you? Where, where are you going next? What does God ask of you to do next? And so I think sometimes we think, oh, we got to have all the answers. We have to help somebody jump to certain. No, just trust God. I've told this story before, but several years ago, I, I had a wise older elder in my church named Elmer. 
And this was a church I served in Dayton. And he was a retired plumber and pipe fitter. And he told me about one of his co-workers, Mr. Montgomery. And he was in the nursing home and he was at the end of his life. And so my friend Elmer said, Steve, let's go visit Mr. Montgomery. I want you to share your faith with him. You know, because that's what you ask preachers to do. Like, y'all can't share it. You got to call like the professionals. No, don't do that. But anyway, so I'm like going, I'm happy to do it. But uh, so I go and we meet and I'm meeting with him. And he's not a Christian, Elmer said, but he's at the end of his life. And so we drove together to the nursing home, and I saw Mr. Montgomery laying in his bed, and my friend introduced us. After we had some small talk, I said, Mr. Montgomery, you know that I'm a pastor, and I'd like the opportunity to tell you about Jesus and how to become a Christian. Would that be okay? Mr. Montgomery's body was failing, but his mind was still very sharp, and he said, sure, I'd like that. So I began to tell him about Jesus and how Jesus saved us by dying on the cross for our sins. I honestly don't remember everything that I said that day, but I do remember saying too many words, and I saw a familiar glassy look over his eyes, and I thought, I'm losing him. My friend Elmer must have seen the look in Mr. Montgomery's eyes also because he looked at him, he looked at me, he looked at him, and he looked at me, and he broke into the conversation. And he said with crystal clarity, Gene, what Steve is trying to tell you is he and I are going to heaven. He wants to know, do you want to go with us? And guess what? Mr. Montgomery said, yes. And a couple days later, I baptized Mr. Montgomery in the bathing tub there at the nursing home. He died a few days later. He went to heaven. We don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to feel like we have to drag somebody to a decision. We just have to be able to say, here is the reality, the truth. Here's the Prince of Peace. And in the midst of a chaotic world, I want to offer him to you. Will you accept him? And and you'll be surprised the number of people that say, yeah, tell me more. Because the peace that passes understanding is needed by all people. We're just simply to be the messengers. We're to be ready at any time, at any place, on any occasion to be able to say we are ready to extend the gospel of peace. We enjoy it. We live in the gospel of peace. We experience it ourselves. It provides our stability. And now we are ready to advance the gospel of peace so that other people might know it as well. We are both ready for the battle that comes to us because we are stable, but we are also ready to advance the message of the Prince of Peace to other people. The message is clear. God loves people everywhere. Don't ever miss that, church. Every person of every belief, of every political persuasion, of every bias, of every gender, of every race, God loves everybody. It's universal. Our job is to try to help them meet the God who already loves them right where they are. God, we thank you so much for loving us. We thank you for your son. And God, we thank you today that we've been given instruction on how to buckle the belt of truth around our waist so that we, we're able to, um, to know what we believe so that we would have the breastplate of righteousness realizing we can't build it on our own. We can't make it on our own. We'll never be good enough on our own. But God, you have given us your righteousness so that we are not condemned any longer. And then God, we thank you for the feet that are fitted with the shoes, the readiness of the gospel of peace. 
so that we can live in peace, so that we can live on solid ground, so that we can stand ready for the fight, but also, God, so that then we can advance the gospel, so that we can move forward in mobility with quickness, with readiness, so that we can share and advance the gospel of peace to other people who desperately need peace. And God, we know peace because we know the author of peace. We know the Prince of Peace himself. God, we love you. We thank you. And we, prepare that we, would, we, we pray that we would continue as a church to be prepared for the battles ahead. We ask in Jesus' name.